Results in increased quality with lower cost as a side effect. That's a double value win. And since professional pride of purpose is what truly motivates the needed behavior change, it was key that the rationale for change focused on patients achieving better outcomes. All of this created a natural progression in the discussion of how expanding Medicare and Medicaid could influence the access, quality, and cost triangle. Then came the turbulence of our society's attempt to provide insurance for a majority of the 45 million Americans who were uninsured prior to the inception of the 2010 Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, ACA. Although the primary intention of Obamacare was to decrease dramatically the number of uninsured, there were many incentives to move the provider system as quickly as possible away from what was acknowledged as the key promoter of unhelpful or hurtful costs, fee-for-service reimbursement. The two main components of the soon-to-be 20% U.S. GDP commitment to healthcare spending were higher prices compared to any other developed country in the world and a dominant fee-for-service payment incentive. This incentive based financial success on number of units of work performed, adding irrational momentum to producing more and more units, regardless of whether those units of work helped patients. If pressure successfully pushed down the price per unit, the rational response of any successful provider system would be to produce more units, whether or not that work helped to achieve better patient outcomes. Depending on political point of view, one could argue whether ACA Obamacare achieved even its primary goal, but it definitely altered the unsustainable trajectory of significantly rising medical utilization and expenditure. And whatever comes next post-ACA will have to address the same fundamental interplay of access, quality, and cost. Nothing has changed in these fundamentals, and we believe that nothing has diminished the value of the lessons learned at Geisinger summarized in this book. As turbulence in the public payer undoubtedly will increase with the Trump administration's commitment to repeal the ACA, we believe financial pressure will increase on providers facing an uptick of uninsured patients for whom they are still obligated to provide care. Cost shifting will not be the usual easy way out as commercial payers increase their leverage through continued consolidation. Even the large self-insured employers are banding together. For example, the Health Transformation Alliance and Pacific Business Group on Health to begin to define high-performing provider networks or centers of excellence to transact value-based health care for their employees. Quite simply, these big companies do not want to be the last-standing redistribution engines providing caregivers high margins as all the other payers squeeze down. What do these changes mean in the face of unchanging fundamentals in caregiving, payment for care, and our society's continued expectation of improved health status? And who should be held responsible for its improvement? We believe that unlocking value by changing how care is provided and received remains the only serious way to improve access and quality while lowering cost. This is not easy to transact, but nevertheless is doable as we have seen with the proven care innovations at Geisinger. The following chapters are designed to provide tangible, practical learnings and four transformational themes underpin nearly all of the straightforward innovation road tests. 
The first and most basic transformation is our definition of an integrated health system. In a truly integrated health system, all employees, pharmacists, nurses, administrators, desk clerks, security guards, engineering, food services, employed and non-employed associated physicians, specialists, subspecialists, PCPs, trainees, and even financial officers know they are working together and are incentivized to ensure that everyone is focused on benefiting individual patients. During Dr. Steele's tenure, it was with great pride and some occasional anxiety that job applicants were invited to randomly stop any Geisinger employee pushing a food cart, providing security in the parking lot, or sitting behind a reception desk, and ask what it was like to work at Geisinger and what was the employee's mission. Almost always, the answers to these questions from the frontline workers carried more weight than anything the CEO said about shared mission and staff morale.